You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. It's amazing to me how just one event can change not just one person's life, but can literally change the, destination, the, the, the destinies of generations. And that's what happened in my case. Well, today we're going to look at another family encounter. An encounter among family members that occurred in the New Testament. And it's actually an exchange between two brothers. And this exchange um, had wide impact. In fact, we're beneficiaries of this exchange 2,000 years later. Let me set the stage for you uh, before we read it. It's, we're in the book of John, John chapter 1. We know that if we're familiar with the New Testament, we know that John the Baptist before Jesus began his ministry, was out baptizing people in the wilderness, calling people to repent and turn from their sins, and he'd baptize them. We also know that John had followers, his own disciples, men, young men who would follow him. To call, to, they wanted to be like him. They wanted to learn from him. And so they were his disciples, and they were together. We know that in one particular day, John the Baptist baptized Jesus. And Jesus came to him, they were baptized, or Jesus was baptized, and we, you know, there's the, the dove and the Holy Spirit and the anointing of Jesus and, and that. And then um, our passage, or, or so it, was, it, was the, it looks like the day after that baptism, that Jesus was walking by, and John the Baptist, pointing and talking to his disciples, he says, he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then he says, this is the one. This is the one. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. Okay, so this is all happened. So Jesus was baptized. Looks like the next day that Jesus passed by, John says that's when he's the Son of God. I can, I can testify to that. And then we pick up with our passage here in verse 35 of John chapter 1. So if you want to follow along, if it's in your Bible or, or if you have something, or we can follow along here on the screen as well. So... <clears throat> The next day, again, so now we're three days. So baptism, looks like the first encounter, this is the next day. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? And they replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you'll see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the 10th hour, which is 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and he said, you are Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you for the, your word. And thank you, Lord God, for this encounter between Andrew and Peter and, um, and uh, just the, the exchange that they had and Andrew bringing his brother to Jesus and how that transformed and changed his life. And I pray, Lord, as we unwrap this a little bit, that we would also have that same um, incentive, Lord God, to bring others to you that they might encounter you in very real and very personal, very tangible ways. And it's the name of Jesus, I pray these things. Amen. As Christ followers, we have been given a gift. We've been given this power, this, this, um, the key in many ways that can really unlock a person's life. It can change literally not just their own future, but 
destination for generations to come. And it can be impactful. And we've experienced the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. And he's given us a mission to tell others about it. We talked about this last week. That one of the very last things he said on earth. I mean, literally, I think it's like the second to the last statement he ever makes here on earth is go and tell others about what you've experienced here. Go and tell others about the good news of the kingdom. Go and tell others. But the fact is, for many of us, we find this to be a real challenge, don't we? Um, For a number of reasons. So let's just identify what some of those reasons might be. One of them, I think, that is problematic for many of us is it's fear. We're afraid that, uh, and we allow fear to paralyze us because we're afraid we won't know what to say or we won't have answers to questions that might be posed to us. Now, this, this occurs primarily when we think it's our job to convince somebody. Like, I have to convince you either of a biblical truth or a theological thing, and I'm afraid that I don't have the answers, or you're going to ask me a question, you know, like define the universe and give two examples, you know, or just, that's impossible in case you were wondering about that one. It's just, and we can't do it. So we feel, what happens is that we feel incompetent. And so we're afraid that we'll be exposed as being incompetent. And so we don't do that. We don't say anything. And so we create, you know, these scenarios in our mind that more often than not don't happen, but that fear that they might keeps us from actually um, engaging someone in a conversation about Jesus. So fear of incompetence keeps us from talking to others. Another um, concern, another thing that would keep us from sharing Jesus with others is that we fear rejection. We're afraid that we'll be rejected, largely because we don't want to be embarrassed, do we? We don't want to look silly. So if I tell you about Jesus or I share something with you, I'm concerned that you might say, yeah, I don't believe in God. I mean, God, that's all myth. And, and, it's, and it's something that we feel deeply is kind of just diminished and made and that, and that, can, that just creates all kinds of emotions we don't like. Or, or even worse is they make fun of us. Like, what is wrong with you? Like, only, you know, who, who would believe in this? And, and let's be honest, there's a rational basis for that fear, isn't there, or that concern? Because think of just how Jesus is portrayed in our media and in our culture, that, you know, Christians are often portrayed as irrational, incompetent buffoons. You know, that's just, that's just the, the general profile as to how most Christ followers are portrayed. So, Fear of rejection can keep us from talking to other people about Jesus. Another one is procrastination. We keep putting off sharing the good news because we are waiting on the right time. Um, Now, this is one, I I struggled with this one here um, a little bit um, because it talks about, you know, putting off good news, you know, we're waiting for time. But because more often than not, especially what we see in the passage here with Andrew and Simon is much more of in the moment kind of a thing. You know, procrastinating is you're putting off in the future. I'm going to circle back to this one because I do think it's worth talking about. But I think at this point, um, you know, the idea that we're procrastinating, um, I mean, we think about this, you know, within just Simon and, or I'm sorry, with Andrew and, and Simon Peter. You know, if Andrew had come to Peter like a week later, you know, hey, by the way, you know, um, you know the Messiah we've been talking about, you know, since we were little boys, you know, I, yeah, I remember, I think I met him last week. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was him. Yeah, t- too bad he's no longer in the area. You know, too bad he's gone. It's a, you know, so that, that, that just doesn't work, does it? You know, and so with, with this, especially in the situation we're talking about, it's an in-the-moment kind of a thing. We're responding to immediate circumstances um, that allow us to talk to other people about Jesus. 
Um, I switched the next two. If you have your outline, you're looking at those. I'm actually switched what was last to fourth, and, and, I'll, and, and I'll explain that in a second. But I think another thing that keeps us from talking to others about Jesus is wrong thinking. We've convinced ourselves that someone else will share the good news. So the, 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 the thought process for that goes like this. If God really loves someone, he won't let them go to hell because of my inaction. He'll send someone else. Now, again, there's an element of truth there. God will continue to draw someone to himself. But that misses the point. The point is our obedience. Are we going to be obedient to that which we've called, what he's called us to do? And I'm, con- I'm convinced that that willingness to talk to other people about Jesus is really a reflection of our own status as a disciple of Jesus. So will he have someone else share Jesus with them? I, I hope so, and it's very pro- possible. That's not the point. The point is, what is God calling you to do in that moment and in this situation and circumstance? Each of us, we have responsibility to tell others about Jesus. Lastly, and I move this one last because I think it's actually the most common and actually because I think it's the most serious. Um, And I think it's the idea here is indifference. I think some of us hesitate from talking to other people about Jesus um, because we don't have heart or concern for the lost. We're indifferent. Um, And I think there's two different ways that that could work. One is that I think we're indifferent because we forget what's at stake. We we forget we're talking about eternal destinies and, and, and we really don't understand what's at stake there or we've forgotten. And I think there's some of us who are particularly susceptible to this. Um, those of us who have given our life to Christ at a very early age. Or possibly, you know, it, so we've been a Christ follower forever. Or I know for me in particular... Um, for me, coming to Christ was a rite of passage. I grew up in a Christian home, and so I didn't have this life-changing experience where I knew that, you know, the, the, my life was transformed in this way. So for me, sometimes I wrestle with this of really understanding what is it like to be away from God. And so because I'm not really conscious of what that is, I may not have the sense of urgency sometimes because I don't get that. So that's one of the challenges I have to work with. And I think so of us as well that may have have a similar background, or maybe you've been a Christ follower for 20, 30, 40 years, or however long you've been a Christ follower, and we lose sight of the fact of what's at stake and actually what can happen when Jesus enters a person's life. So that's one aspect of this. I think it feeds our indifference. I think the other thing, and I mentioned this last week, um, another thing that that can feed our indifference is the fact that we've lost our first love. My analogy there was that, that sometimes, again, I use my analogy with, with, uh, with Betsy, is that when we were dating, I wanted to do whatever she wanted to do. I wanted to do things that made her happy. You want to go see this movie? Okay, we'll see that movie. I couldn't stand that movie, but this is what you wanted, so this is what we're going to see. All right, right? I mean, that's what we do. We want to make them happy. We want to do what they want to do because it makes them happy. But what happens, or can happen then over time, though, over we get married and a couple years down the road, it begins to shift. And it's not so much about what makes you happy, it's about what makes me happy. And all of a sudden we have a rift and we have problems because we're, we're no longer concerned about them per se as much as we are ourselves. We become focused on us. And I, my point there was that I think we do the same thing with Jesus. We come to Jesus, we're in love with Jesus and, and there's great, and great things, but over time it becomes more and more about what Jesus can do for me. What do I, I need this need answered. I need this responded. And 
The simple fact is this. Jesus was preoccupied with the lost. He, in fact, in, in he, Jesus' own words in, Mar, in, in the book of Mark, chapter 10, he says, For even the Son of Man, talking about himself, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's why he came. I mean, he knew that's why he came. That was, that was center and f- foremost in his sight as far as what he was here to do. So my point is this. If this was important to Jesus, if we're truly in love with Jesus, this should be important to us as well. So our concern for the loss, I think, can often be a direct correlation to our relationship with Jesus. And if there's indifference there, there may be a time to need for us to look in the mirror and say, is there something I'm not getting, something I'm not missing because of that? <clears throat> so five reasons we've talked about or that I've mentioned here about what would, might keep us from sharing our faith. I feel inadequate. I don't want to be rejected. <clears throat> it's not a good time for me. It's not my responsibility, or I'm good with the status quo or ways of rephrasing each of those five. Notice anything interesting about each of those five? Exactly. Each of them contain the word I, me, or my. It's about me. See, time and again, Jesus said the distinguishing feature of his disciples was the ability to love others. It wasn't about me. It's my ability to give myself away, to do what is necessary and do what's expedient, to do what's appropriate, to do for others. So in order to overcome excuses for sharing our faith with others, we have to love others like Jesus loved them. And we need to be paying attention to them. I've got a very short video clip. There's no... There's no audio, there's music, but you have to read the screen. So I'm just giving you a heads up to be watching the, the, the screen here. I love how the New Living Translation says in Romans chapter 10. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? While sharing Jesus involves us, it was never meant to be about us. It's about them. It's about others. It's about those we encounter through the normal patterns and events 
and seasons of life. So, some thoughts about how to simplify this a little bit in your mind. One, I think, is start with someone you know. I think it's noteworthy that Andrew and Peter, and I'll just refer to him Peter because that's who, who we know him by here eventually, that they were brothers. Okay, I think that's relevant to this story. Imagine if Andrew went up to a complete stranger and said, I found the Messiah, follow me. It wouldn't work, at least not like that. It, wouldn't, it would have a whole mo- few more layers of complexity to it. Also, it wasn't just some random encounter or conversation with Andrew and Peter. <clears throat> as, as young Jewish men, they've talked about the Messiah. They've heard about this Messiah. They've studied the coming of the Messiah for years. This was a very common topic and something that they both, again, as Jewish men, would be looking for and aware of. It was a topic and a circumstance and situation that was relevant to both of them at that point in time in their life. Andrew and Peter already had a relationship and Andrew connected Jesus to something that they both cared about. And that was the Messiah. See, the most natural place for talking about Jesus is with the people you already know because you've established relationship and credibility with them. That's where it happens most naturally. Now, is it possible that God might want you to talk to a complete stranger? Yeah, it's possible. But here's what I'm convinced of. He'll make it very obvious to you, too. Um, I remember I had a professor, and uh, uh, he, he, said, he said, God, he, um, he, he taught, but he, he said my, my calling in life was to write. He published you know, lots of books. And uh, he said, when I sit down on a plane, that's my time. I'm, I'm actually right. So that's part of me to be honoring what God is saying. What God is coming to do is to actually use that plane time to actually work on a book or something like that. So he actually is not looking to have conversations with people. He doesn't really want that. But he said, I always want to be aware of my prayer is that, God, if you have something you want me to talk to, you have to let me know that. So typically it's them initiating a conversation with him, and it leads to something that where he then can share Jesus. So could it be a complete stranger you, you talk to? Sure. But the circumstances won't be weird or kind of, it'll be natural. It'll be a natural uh, extension of just what's happening in the moment. <clears throat> you don't have to create the opportunity. You just have to make a connection with the current circumstances. You know, so it comes out that, you know, hey, how was your week? Oh, I had a really rough week. Why? Let me tell you about what happened to me a few years ago. Again, it's just a natural conversation that comes up, which leads me to my next point. <clears throat> tell them what you know. You don't have to tell them about you know, the theology of the development of the Holy Spirit or you know, some type of theological construct. You don't, you don't tell them what you know. And largely, it's your own personal experience. In a passage we just read, you know, or a little bit at the very beginning here, John wrote this. He said, at the end of verse 41, he says, we, Andrew says to, P- to Peter, we have found the Messiah. Verse 42 then says, and he brought him to Jesus. Okay? I wonder if that was actually that simple. For the story, it was simplified. I wonder if it looked more like something like this. There's a conversation where Andrew comes and says to Peter, we found the Messiah. He says, what makes you say that? Why? I mean, I, I mean if, if I'm here, why? Why would you say that? Well, first, John the Baptist yesterday was talking. We saw this, him pass by and he said, that was him. And today, I spent the afternoon with him. I spent 
hours with him talking and what I heard him say. And John, or, you know, Peter, you just wouldn't believe the things. It just all clicked. It all, come, come with me. And he led him to Jesus. So I think there was this exchange that may have happened there. So I think it's sometimes when someone may not take your initial words at face value. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's not like I'm doubting you, but I need more information to process this. And that other information is usually your story. You know, so just simply saying, hey, Jesus can help you with that and then walk away. Just that really is not what you need to say. Hey, I think this happened to me a couple years ago. Here's what happened. Here's what I came to understand. Here's what I came to learn. And let me tell you about that. Andrew shared with Simon his personal experience with Jesus. The best information you can give someone is your experience. Because here's the thing, they can't question that. They can't say, oh, that didn't happen to you. I mean, I guess they can, but you know it did. So it's not going to bother you. It's like, well, fine, if you're going to be that way, then walk away. Um, But you know what I'm saying? You don't have to feel threatened by that because that's on them. It's, It's your story. You know it. You experienced it. You lived it. Share with them your own story. Share with them the hope that came out of it. And, and here's this too. Sometimes the best things you can share with them aren't like, hey, everything ended up great. Because some of our most profound stories are what we learned through the pain, through the suffering, through the hurt, through the anger, through all that stuff. And yet we come out the other side and say, you know what? But God still loves me and Jesus is still Lord. And that's powerful. Because you went through that. It wasn't like everything is, was rosy colored and uh, rose colored and, 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 and happy, but, but, but it's your story. It's where you found hope and expectation. We don't need to force ourselves on people. We don't need to sell them. We just need to pay attention to where they're at and what they're saying and the cues that they're giving us. I think another thing to think about here is that we see this with Andrew is that bring them with you. I love how John ended that exchange and he brought him to Jesus. So simple. How much of life would be different if we just led people to Jesus? Imagine imagine if, if Andrew had said this. He said, hey, you know, Peter, we found the Messiah. You You go over there all by yourself and find out and you'll see him probably wouldn't have had the same impact, would it? Probably wouldn't have had the same result. But he said, no, come with me. Now, this is where, remember early before I talked about procrastination, I didn't see it really fit in there. I see it fitting really well here. Um, And this is where, because it's this idea where, hey, I know that our church is having something. There's some event, there's something happening. I know you're going through this. Come with me want to come together. I'm inviting you to be a part of this. And so this is where possibly where God impresses on you. There's a neighbor or where you have an ongoing relationship and you're aware of a situation. And now you know that you have a way to speak to them and to encounter them. Invite them to opportunities where they can encounter Jesus. Lastly, give opportunity for Jesus to change the direction of their lives. I just am fascinated. Um, I mean, you're in John, Andrew, and says, and he brought him to Jesus. I just, I just, I just think this is just, I, I love to have been there to see what this actually looked like. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You'll be called Cephas. 
I mean, we just met, and you're changing my name. You know? I mean, who, who does that? You know? It's like, yeah, you're Len, but no more. We're going to call you Steve, you know? I just, I mean, I just think that's really, I, I, there's, I don't know, I, I think I could put a whole sermon on just what was going on here. What's the psychology, and what was that? And that's his first encounter. He's changing my name. But I think here's what it tells us. Jesus doesn't see who we are. He sees who we're going to be. And when we bring people to Jesus, that's what he does for them too. There's something about that encounter that changes us forever. We can't explain it. It's not something we would say would happen as, I mean, I mean, who, who advises, yeah, we're going to change his name as a strategy. But yet Jesus knew in that moment and with that particular, and he doesn't do it with anybody else. Notice Jesus doesn't do it with any of the other 12. He didn't change all their names. All right, we're going to reconfigure the whole thing. It was just Peter. Why? Honestly, I don't know. I can speculate. It's because that's what Peter needed. He needed to see himself differently. Whether he grew up a certain way, he, there's this perspective of himself, the way he viewed life that he'd been viewing. And Jesus said, no, we've got to shift that. You've got to, because there's something here you're missing. And by changing his name, ah, okay. And we know what happens with Peter. Peter becomes, you know, he becomes the rock upon which the church was built. I mean, he becomes the central figure in the New Testament church. Paul was out there creating all kinds of fun stuff out there. But back home in Jerusalem with the home church, it was Peter. Peter was the central thing that held it all together. All because his brother said, I think we found him. Come with me. What would have happened had Andrew said, ah, probably just some nut out there and I'm hungry, let's go eat. Found something else to do or distracted by something else. We gotta give Jesus opportunity to do what he wants to do in a person's life. We can't prejudge what's happening. We can't determine the outcome. And the simple fact is we could share our story and share Jesus and they might smile and say, hey, that's great. Glad it happened for you. And that might be the end of it. But here's the thing, you don't know what's gonna happen a week from now, a month from now, two years from now, or who knows what can happen then. And the other thing I think we need, it's important for us to realize is that we don't show up in a situation and that's their first encounter with God or the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's been working on them before we even show up. Usually we're, you know, we might be person number three or four on their progression of coming to Christ. So don't think it all rests on us. It's all dependent on us. But don't ever minimize the role we have in this whole thing as well. While the outcome is not up to us, we are very much a part of the process. I'm going to close in prayer here. But I want you to do, while I'm praying, I want you to be thinking of someone. No, no, actually, don't do that. Ask the Lord, say, Lord, you tell me, is there someone that you want me to be praying for that needs you? Okay? Allow him to impress you on a mind, because maybe some of you hadn't even thought of before. But just say, is there someone that you want me to share Jesus with? Or that someone that needs that I need to be praying for? And then you're praying for an opportunity that may be coming down the road. 
And then let's just see what God might do with it. Because what I'm going to do is when I say amen, I'm going to ask you to, you know, pull out your worship guide there, your paper, and actually write the person's, just their first name, just write it down as an act of faith of what what you sense God might be saying to you. Okay, let me pray. Heavenly Father, I'm so amazed that your plan for redemption um, and and rejuvenizing uh, your church involves us. I mean, we are faulty. Um, We have so many issues. And yet, Lord God, your plan involves us. So while sometimes I scratch my head over that, I am so grateful that you allow us to participate with you and your kingdom redemptive purposes here on earth. What an amazing call. What amazing honor that you've given us to be part of that. So Lord, I know that each of us sitting here this morning have people in our lives that need you. It could be a neighbor down the street. It could be a coworker. could be someone in one of our kids' playgroups. Who knows where this person is or where it might be. But Lord, in this next moment, may you put this person on our heart that we would begin to pray for them and continue to trust you to work in their life, that they would, in fact, come to know you. And then, Lord, uh, as we continue to pray, if there is opportunity down the road to talk to them about you, Father, that you would bring that about, that you would bring that opportunity to pass, that we don't have to create it, we don't have to force it, we just have to pay attention. And then, Lord, in that moment, may we be like Andrew and say, hey, here's what happened to me. I met Jesus. I think this is the one. Here's what he can do for you. Come see. Come see. That we might then be able to be a part of that. And uh, again, Lord, thank you for the opportunity. Amen. So I want you to write down that person's name. Um, sometimes what I'll do is something like this. I'll put a little piece of paper, either with that name or a little statement, and I'll put it on my bathroom mirror. I'll tape it to my bathroom mirror. Cut my paste list. So when I'm brushing my teeth, I'm thinking about it and praying for it or praying for that person. And um, um, just a way of just keeping it in forefront um, that God wants people to come to him. And we get to be a part of it. That's pretty cool. You know, pretty cool. Um, also, you'll notice that the, I think it's in your worship guides. It actually, we're, we're wanting to collect stories of maybe you've had an encounter where you were on a plane and someone next to you said, hey, that, uh, and you shared Jesus. And you had this really amazing conversation. Here's what I've discovered. Sometimes when we hear what happens to others, it gives us confidence and a little more security that it could happen with us as well. Or plus, some of them are just cool stories you know, to celebrate. And so, uh, through all across all three campuses, um, so there's actually a website there. Um, I think it's actually gracecovenant.org/go, where if you have a story that you would be willing to share with us, of uh, maybe an encounter or a conversation you've had in the not too distant past, we'd love to be able to collect those. All right, all right. Let's stand for the benediction. <clears throat> One of the things. Um, uh, before I do that, I just want to make you aware of uh, back when uh, all our campuses, we did the um, a capital campaign. There was a, a new uh, construction for the Cornelius campus. East Lincoln was supposed to be getting a new facility as well. Part of that is, as well, part of that package included selling an office building. 
that was for the part of Cornelius and included also selling the 13 acres that has been associated with this campus here off of Exit 49. Um, the property in Exit 49 were under contract. Um, so that's really a good thing. Um, but we have to have a formal acknowledgement or the, 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 the body has to approve that. And you have to have two weeks' notice. So two weeks from today, we'll be taking a, we'll be taking a formal vote to approve the sale of that. Um, so I'm giving everyone notice that will happen. I'll be sending out an email here this afternoon as well. Um, but uh, Glenn is here, and his wife Florence. Glenn has been part of that. They attend Cornelius. Um, Glenn's been part of this process, you know, for a long time, probably longer than he cares sometimes. But if you have any questions about it, I mean, anything, I mean, we're, we're an open book. We're just not going to take time right now to talk about it. But if you have questions about it, go see Glenn. Um, during the week, if you have questions, give me a call. Um, again, we're happy to, to answer questions, but um, just want to, he, he, they're up here just to be available to you today. So, um, yeah, so take advantage of that. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.